Welcome back to the Mindsets Podcast. Uh, I'm joined here by Jason for another episode. We're going to talk about quite a few different things today, uh, but to kick us off, do you want to give us a little introduction to who you are? Yeah. Um, so, well, as you already said, I'm Jason. I'm 25. I work in marketing and insurance industry. Very boring, I know. Um, but I'm here today to talk about all things wellbeing. Um, having been on my own journey, I want to sort of share a bit of my knowledge. Um, outside of that, I'm a huge lover of sports. Honestly, can't think of a year since I was about four that I haven't played them. Um, I just sort of mentioned I'm a big contact sport advocate, um, big gym advocate. And honestly, just I think I'm just generally a normal bloke, but I want to share my story. I like it. Cool. So let's start at the beginning then. Yeah. Have you always been into sport or was it not the sort of thing you're interested in? I, I genuinely cannot, like bar COVID, I cannot think of a single year of my life where I've not played some form of sport or multiple sports. Um, I also can't think of many sports I haven't tried at some point. Um, from when I was in school, you know, you know when you're younger, it's, it's the obvious ones, your, your football, your rugby, your swimming, your hockey. Um, and I sort of started branching out, did like random ones. I did table tennis for a while, um, done water polo, badminton, Crip. Honestly, I can't think did of any Did you do sports. all of those at school? Yeah, yeah. So everything where, was all where at school. Where did you go to school? Because my um, school did not have some of those. <laughs> so I went to a, um, a school, a small market town near Peterborough called Arundel School. Okay. Um, just a very posh private boarding school. Um, six days a week, which was um, not the nice when you start. But like then when you go into uni, you're actually like, oh, if I can do six days a week, uni is going to be a breeze. So yeah, it, was, um, it wasn't your, your standard schooling experience. It was, you know, slightly roguer things like you know doing water polo that's not you know sort of typical thing to to go and play and I, I think that was off the background of I did swimming from a, a very young age I think I started swimming probably around about three or four um like at, and you know that wasn't when I was doing competitive I probably started competitively about I'd say about seven um and then just sort of progressed from there and I fell out of love with the actual swimming side of it switched to water polo but then you know, I had all my other sports on the background. I did rugby from a young age, um, carried that on all throughout and then sort of stopped about, I think it was about 17, 18. Football, I was never very good at, but just love playing it. <laughs> um, you know, just don't, don't, you know, rely on me to play competitive football. Just, just there for a fun <laughs> kick about. Did hockey for a bit. Um, as I said, did badminton for a bit, did a bit of table tennis. I even um, did shooting for a little bit. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, yeah. Kind of, mucked in, kind of mucked in with everything. And did you say this was like boarding school? Yeah, so it was boarding school. I was a day people there. Um, so okay. I lived in the actual town of Arundel itself. Um, lovely little market town just outside Peterborough. Um, not many people know where it is. Not many people even know where Peterborough is. Um, not that you need to. It's... I was going to say, I, don't, I, I have been there. Like no shade on anyone from Peterborough, but I haven't met any people that brag about coming from Peterborough, really. I am very open in, um, I mean, am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I, I'm very open in saying that Peter was a complete shithole. Um, we were <laughs> voted worst city to live in the UK three years running. Oh, um, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. We actually, we actually got overtaken a couple of years ago by Bradford, oh. um, so can't really brag about that even anymore. But yeah, it's. Um, I wouldn't brag about being from Peterborough. I'm very proud of it. Um, I'm a Peterborough United football fan, which is just pain in itself. But, you know, um, you're right. Nobody brags about being from Peterborough. So when, when you were going to boarding school then, um, you said six days a week. Sounds like you did quite a lot of sport. I think the thing with um, boarding school, and I mentioned this with a previous guest, is I wondered if he found it quite lonely. And I don't think he thought it was lonely because he was surrounded by people. Um, but he also wasn't an only child or anything like that. I mean, even though you were coming home, you're doing six days a week in, in kind of education. Is, is that lonely or was it just nice seeing your friends all the time? I think 
it was very lonely when you got home um you know six days a week doesn't allow you to have much of a social life outside of schooling um and being a day pupil you know your mates in your house are quite spread around the area um you know you see them in school but saturday evening sunday you, you don't really get that and i think as well because i was spending a lot of time between my dad's house in peter and my mum's house in Aundel, it was very hard to have any continuity or stability so i couldn't really make plans and you know when i went back to my dad's i just didn't really have any what i'd call home friends and i think still now i look back at my childhood and i don't really have any home friends and I, it sounds really sad but that, that's just the reality of how it was growing up as a, an only child divorced parents like heavy heavy schooling schedule it was difficult so yeah it, it was pretty lonely but you know got through it <laughs> how old were you, were you um well, yeah. How old were you when your your parents split? Um, pretty much all I've ever known, really. So they split when I was, I think, four or five. Um, and yeah, it's it's, it's all I ever knew. I yeah. I don't really have any mem. I've got a couple of holiday memories from when they were together, but that it's always just been the two paths. It's similar. It's similar to me, and in because um, my parents split when I was, I think, five or six years old, um, and. It was it was a bit of a weird thing at first. I didn't really understand it. I think because I was so young, I didn't really. It, again, it kind of because it was all you've ever known when you look back. Like it, it probably wasn't as impactful as if I'd been a couple of years older. Yeah, because I didn't really appreciate what that was. Um, and then the initial thing, and I still remember this. This is really bad, by the way. <laughs> I remember my parents sitting me and my sister down on the sofa and telling us, and I remember. My sister being a little bit upset because she's older than me. And then me going, does this mean I get two birthday presents or two Christmas presents? We all think it. And I mean, (laughs) do you know what? For anyone that's, for anyone, if anyone's going through that right now, it does actually mean that. So there's a positive twist. You do get that. But obviously it it was quite a weird alien time. Um, From from my family, my my dad moved out um, and we stayed in the house with my mum. Um, um, yeah, we went in between as well. And I think one of the things, from my opinion, it'll be interesting to see if you had the same experience, is it's very strange packing a bag to go to a home. Because, like, you don't really pack a bag to go home unless you're coming home from holiday. Yeah. But you're actually just between houses. Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly good at living out of a bag. I've done it as long as I can remember. Um, I mean, you know, sort of what I was saying with the, the lack of stability was in every sense and I know sort of what you said in terms of because we were so young it maybe didn't impact us if we were let's say 11 12 13 I think it doesn't impact you with the initial trauma as much but I think it impacts you in like a much larger picture and it is little things like that just packing to it that's not normal and I think I got so used to just doing it it's like oh this weekend I'm with dad got to pack up and then like when you get there because you're there for a weekend it's like well it's pointless unpacking so I'm just gonna live out the bag go back home oh, i'm going there in another week like i may as well like live out of this bag for now and then maybe pack a few extra bits and go so um yeah it's, it's still weird i still do it now um like i'm going back to my dad's in a couple of weekends gonna pack a bag to go back to my house it's, it's such a weird dynamic but yeah you get used to it get very good at packing a bag <laughs> it, well that's for sure like yeah i can i can pack into a rucksack i can be away for a week if i need to <laughs> Um, but then how, how did this, uh, affect things when you started to grow up, go through secondary school and then eventually to uni, um, you know, you start to get a more stable form of accommodation because you, you live in a place sort of, you are living by yourself, but yeah. with friends and that sort of thing. Did you adjust to that quite easily because you were so used to kind of not being so settled? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, um, it was 
being at uni and like the private accommodation with the close I'd had to home setting because it was the, the longest amount of time I'd spent prolonged one building, like staying at one place, unpacking your bag and actually having stuff in a wardrobe is really quite like you know i think when i lived at my mum's um which was in Arundel, like i had more stuff unpacked there because i was typically like you know just close to school i was there more often and then being at uni was it was a very quick adjustment for me because i was just as you say i was used to it um and it was the first time actually you know spending more than i'd say two three weeks at, at one place um so yeah i mean again like thinking about it in my head it sounds quite sad saying that was my first idea of a proper home but it, it just wasn't that, that that's how it was for me it was normal to me when you when you went to uni, which was University of Birmingham, what was your what was your driver for going to Birmingham? Um, genuinely, um, partly American football. Um, so I remember an open day I did there back in God, it would have been 2016, I reckon. And I think this was a year after they just won the national championship. Because I remember, I actually remember it like the open day. They had like a table set up. They had the trophy on it. And I remember speaking to the guys and I, I just got into American football at this point, a couple of mates at um, school, they'd got me into American football and um, unfortunately they support the Buffalo Bills. So I ended up supporting the Buffalo Bills, which has just been pain ever since, same with Peterborough. Um, and yeah, I just, I love like, I love the campus as well. The, the whole campus up is such a, I still think it is the best looking university in this country. Wrong. Um, <laughs> there we go, Loughborough. Yeah, yeah, yeah Loughborough's there. Yeah, you, you can take your soulless Loughborough. I'll yeah. take. I'll take old Joe any day. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. It was the campus set up. It was the like the facilities they had there. They were just building new sports hall. The American football, which then what ended up going to play. Um, and sort of how we end up knowing each other yeah. as well. Um, and yeah, it's just. I think you know when you just you know it's so cliche, but you know when you know. And I remember leaving that open day, having done loads of was like, that's where I want to go. That That is where I want to go. Don't know why I want to do that yet. I think originally I was going to do psychology. Thank God I didn't. Um, <laughs> I would have been useless. Um, but no, then I ended up doing business management and then staying there for next year doing master marketing. So wouldn't change it. And it still is the best looking uni. Now, did, did the whole sort of gym and everything, which I'm aware of now and we'll move into it, is a big part of your life. Did you discover that before you went to university through school or did that kind of come into its own at university? Yeah, so I think it came into its own a bit more at university. I discovered it in school, um, I think it was around about lower sixth. And um, straight away, the reason I gymmed was for my mental health. Okay, so um, you, you knew that very early on. Yeah, so is uh, I think I sort of discovered it early on. Initially, <laughs> initially I went because I was, I was being bullied at school. Um, okay. and it, I, you know, I was a slightly larger kid, shall we say? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm no, no like lean athlete now. I've always been a lover of food, but like back then I was a lover of food and didn't quite have the exercise to go with it. Yeah. Um, so I was a bit of a chunky kid and, you know, off the back of that, you know, you, kids are kids, you, you're going to, you're going to pick on people for whatever What's, you can really. What sort of bullying was it? Was it online or was it more like in person? Uh, it, was, it, was more, it was more in person. Um, and, you know, there's was, there was a little bit of racism mixed in as well because, I mean, it's, it's a horrible thing, but private schools are very quite elitist. And I think that a lot of people get away with the more casual side of racism. Um, so I started going to the gym for simple reasons of losing weight and also like just trying to get a bit bigger so I could kind of take care of myself. And I've never been a physical altercation person, but I was like, if if push comes to shove and I, I need to, I want to be able to take care of myself. Um, and then as I started going, I was like, oh, actually, I, I feel better within myself for going because um, I think this is also around about the start of when I started having mental health problems um, and when I started recognizing them as well. So I think it all kind of meshed in together at that point. And then when I went to university, that's when I was like, okay, right, how do I train properly? Okay, and was you obviously said that you became aware. Um, 
what made you aware? I think it was a conversation with my dad. Um, you know, he he was very open to me. He said that he'd struggled when he was younger, but it was there was a, a lot of periods where I was skipping school, or like I say skipping school, I was I was feigning illnesses to avoid going to school. Um, I didn't want to see certain people there. Um, you know, the bullying was obviously tied into this. And then I think my dad recognized something was up. He had a conversation with me and like he asked me all these questions. I think there was one that I remember like sort of specifically was he's like, you know, what, what is it you feel? I was like, well, it's not really sadness. I, I just feel numb. I just feel like there is just such a numbness to my like existence right now. So bless me, he, he took me to the GP. Um, you know, we had that conversation. And I mean, I think that I still remember that conversation to this day with, I think how badly the, the doctor handled it because basically hand me a questionnaire. Um, you, you, you circle all these numbers, you say how you feel. And he just, you know, he then takes the questionnaire, he looks at it and he just goes, yep, you've got depression. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Yeah, I've got depression. Like expand, elaborate. And it was just as simple as that. He was like, we're going to put you on this medication. So I went on uh, Zitolopram, um, put me on that, put me on like five milligrams of Zitolopram. I think by the time I finished, I was on like 30. So wow. okay. didn't dose me right at the start. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was just a, a very weird sort of re into it, like having that really nice nurturing conversation with my dad to then being told very coldly, yeah, you've got mental illness. It, it just wasn't handled very well on that part, but... You know, I had really good support from from my family, so that did help. That's, that, I mean, how old were you when when that happened? I think I was about seventeen. It's quite young, yeah, to be diagnosed with depression. Actually. Yeah, I think yeah. I was I was I was either at the back end of sixteen or at the start of seventeen. Um, and did you stay on those drugs right through to uni, or did you come off? So I stayed on them until my gap year, like start my gap year. Um, so I I stayed on them, gradually increased the dosage at the same time. Um, the school was quite good. Um, I had counselling, which was through the school. They had their own system of counsellors. Um, you know, I mean, the, the benefit of going to private schools, you do have access to these facilities and these people. So that was good. Um, and then stayed on them until I think about the beginning of my gap year. Um, I thought I was all right. I was like, oh, I feel great. Um, like I can come off these and very stupidly. Um, and anybody, if you are on antidepressants and you are thinking about coming off them do not do this do not come off them cold turkey because it's the worst thing you can do to yourself you know you're you're taking your body from this you know like sort of high and like you know although it's a high to you it could be normal to somebody else but then you're just taking that away and it, you just you plummet and what what you should do is you should like ease off your dosage and gradually come back down to either where you started or just come back down to like a zero and then you know try and continue life without any medication okay and so then gap year was the gap year because you'd always wanted to do a gap year or is it kind of just <laughs> to find yourself or something? no 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 complete um complete impromptu gap year of messing up my levels and um at the time i was down to psychology um my grades meant i was going to be going to oxford brooks and I was fine with it at the time. I was like, oh, cool. Psychology, Oxford Brooks, all sounds good. And then I was just, I remember I was going on holiday with a few mates. I was sat in the airport lounge and just had this sudden epiphany. I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, this is not what I want to do. I don't want to do psychology. Don't want to go to Oxford Brooks. Like, I don't want to do any of this. Um, and sat right there. And then I withdrew all my UCAS application. Um, I remember phoning up my mum and dad to tell them. And I was like, I'm not going to uni next year. And it was the initial reaction was like, 
what do you mean you're not going to uni next year like we planned everything to go for you to go to uni and um it was yeah it was a bit of a funny one I just decided there and then I was like I'm going to take a year out I'm going to work I'm going to study I'm going to reset some of my exams get the grades I want and I'm going to go to Birmingham and that's what I did nice well nicely done it <laughs> happened um so then obviously after the gap year you go to uni we were speaking about you were pulled in a little bit by American football and that sort of thing but university is a bit of a weird place because you know there's a lot of socializing there's some studying um and then yeah for someone that's sporty there's sport on the side of that and it's really a case of how you juggle all three if you can um how did it how did the juggling of those three affect your your mental health i think by always keeping busy it kind of allows me to not dwell on things and i think that did work at the start um and you know i, I had this period where after i'd come off the medication the wrong way I did it the right way and at this point I'm medication free counseling not going on not doing anything and then it was May of my first year of uni um and everything just out of nowhere just crashed crashed and burned and I think it was you know in hindsight it started early in this there were early warning signs which now I really easily recognize and I know hey buddy your, your mental health's going downhill a bit which I've done recently actually and you pick up these things, but at the time I was completely unaware. Um, so then that was when I first started therapy. Um, so counseling and therapy are slightly different. Um, so this time around I was having CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and that sort of helped me manage the juggling a bit more. Cause I think before I was trying to juggle everything, I was trying to study hard. I was trying to do everything I could for my sports, everything I could for my gym. And then I was also trying to do all the socializing, all the going out and you can't do that you, you just can't like as much as you think when you're young i'm invincible i've got all the energy i can do what i want it, something's got to give and unfortunately at the time the thing that did give was my mental health um so yeah so i didn't do a very good job of juggling to simply answer your question <laughs> um but you know better at it now hopefully and did you continue with therapy all the way through university or did it come and go um on and off so i i went for a period um from then until probably like near enough the start of second year um just before covid hit um then obviously covid happened the whole world just basically went up in smoke for a few months um came back to uni uh i think it was the end of second year start of third year um and i sort of started to pick up therapy again because you know everything was weird like didn't really know what was going on in my life and i just needed that bit of guidance um and i was i was really really fortunate that um, through my mum's work with her health plan she had Booper, which then also gave her access to her children i.e me um so i you know i was really fortunate to have that private therapy there and that went then went on and off for a little bit um stopped that some point in third year couldn't tell you when and then started therapy again in fourth year um i think the last time i had therapy was about just over a year ago, last January, and um, I'm going again on Monday, first time in a year in a bit. Now, I want to I want to ask you about what what drew you back into going into therapy again on Monday, uh, which, for those wondering, is literally a couple of days from now. Um, but I'm aware that you had uh, you've had a few challenges along the way in the last few years. Um, one of the most notable ones is a, a case of grievance. Yeah, you went through quite a severe case of grievance. Yeah. Um, we're obviously at the age now um, where it becomes more typical to lose someone in your family. Um, yeah. it's, it's, 
sometimes and i had it i lost a grandparent when i was very young again probably too young to really recognize or deal with the emotions of that um but then it becomes less common until you're sort of in your 20s to 30s for you to lose someone and i'm aware that that first person can be pretty hard hitting but you didn't just have one person no so um you know similar to you i'd, I'd have uh, had other losses and you know when you're younger that you know it's still shit doesn't quite hit the same and um it was it was during my master's year so i had a lot going on then you know doing a master's is no no easy thing in itself um i was also president of american football time that was a task in of itself and it was november um and initially my granddad died well it was my my stepdad's dad but he was always a granddad to me known him from when i was five or six um so he passed on the tuesday and then on the Sunday, November 28th, my younger cousin died. He was 21 um, in a car crash. And I still remember that call. I'll always remember that. And then four days after that, my nan passed as well. So a nine day period of like three really close family members just gone. Um, and it really, really sucked. <laughs> it's I just like, I, I, I don't know how else to put it. I think, you know, the when you go into grief it's a, it's a weird enough state for the body as it is but to go through three consecutive bouts of grief in such a short period of time it almost it almost flips it around completely like I was in such a bad state of grief and really upset and then it got to a point where after my nan's death I was like is is this a joke like it just seemed like it was so cruel for life to inflict this on someone like why like why now why in such a short period of time why me and um I think like the hardest one was was my cousin you know seeing someone that's younger than you that um you're very close with um so, I mean I, I was finding difficult to talk about as you can say I'm getting a bit no, emotional but okay. um <laughs> you know it was just he, he was probably my closest family member like any family event me and him were gonna you know we're either there talking we're there messing around we're there annoying people and it was really weird going to family events after that just not having him there um yeah that that grief period was really really horrible but I actually kind of turned it around quite quickly. Um, went home for about, I think, week, week and a half, and then just saddled up and went back to uni and was like, life's got to go on. Um, it's quite a difficult thing to do. I mean, I have got a, a relationship with my cousin as well. He, he's an only child. Um, I obviously said that I've got my older sister. We're, we get along great now. We were very different when we were younger. Uh, and my cousin was always very much a bit more of a, a little brother to me. Yeah. He still is now. I love seeing him. He's, he lives in London. Um, and I can only imagine what that must have been like. Uh, but I can also understand that, you know, you're in a very, very tough place. You've lost a, a fair few family members. And I wonder if this almost goes back to being that numb younger kid again, where you were having so much infliction um, through your bullying and that sort of thing where you said you said to your dad like I just feel numb like stuff bad stuff keeps happening and you maybe turned it around through an element of kind of being a bit numb to it which is a horrible thing because you obviously had to go through those emotions but at the same time you kind of locked them away a little bit yeah and I think I definitely suppressed it quite heavily at the start it was always a coping mechanism of and you know it's still it's a really bad coping mechanism. It's 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 not great, but it's it's what I do now. And it's I just say, hey, you just got to keep got to keep moving forward. Yeah, you can't you can't stop. Yeah, as 
as shit as life may be, you know, whatever's going on with you, that the sun's still going to set, still going to rise the next day. Everybody else's life's going to carry on. Like, you can't just stop. Um, I don't think I dealt with it properly at the time. You know, I, I did unpack it further along, but there was just so much to it. And I think it was the shock and awe factor. Um, you know, my, my granddad, he'd been ill. Um, my nan had been ill, like they were expecting. I think actually when my nan went, because she'd been... She'd been on death's door for quite a while and it was almost like a sense of relief. I was going to say, um, yeah, I wonder if that So it was almost like, I'm kind of thankful that she's, you know, now got that release. She's no longer in pain, no longer suffering. Um, sorry. Um, it's okay. I think as well, obviously this this period of time, like you said, you're doing your masters and you're being president of American Football Club. There's a lot of self-pressure that you've got because you kind of need to feel like you have to uphold everyone. And while everyone will say to you, oh, it's fine, don't worry about it you don't want it to be that way you want to carry on as normal you want to still be that person but you kind of can't and yeah everyone appreciates that but just because you know everyone appreciates it doesn't mean that you're going to let yourself off um so were you still talking to a therapist at this time or? yeah so i was i think this is what i you know i was still talking to him through his period and i'd start, start having more regular meetings because like it's all depending on how i'm doing is how long we stretch the meetings out for Oops, sorry sorry um and I was speaking to him quite regularly because I, I just needed to. And like, I needed some of those outside of this bubble of suffering to talk to because I couldn't talk to my mum. She's just lost a nephew. I, I couldn't talk to somebody else. Like everybody had, you know, my mum's just lost her mum. My stepdad just lost his dad. It's it's a nephew that's lost. And, you know, at the same time, my mum has just sort of finished her second round of having cancer as well. Um, so it was, it was a lot going on at once. Like, you know, she's, I think she was in remission at this point. She didn't quite have the all clear, which she might have done. I can't quite remember, but she's on the back end of that. And I, I, I didn't really know who to turn to. Um, and I know I'm a big advocate for people talking. I will, I will drop everything to have a friend talk to me, but I didn't want to inflict that on one of my friends. I didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to be like, Hey, like I basically need to trauma dump on you. So that's where the therapy comes in and it is the best thing that ever happened to me because I, I don't know where I'd be in life without having him, um, having him support me, talk to me. And, you know, I, I can tell when, you know, obviously it is a business relationship at the end of the day. He is earning money from talking to me and I'm essentially paying it. But I could tell genuinely when I talk to him that he cares, I do well. Um, God, so I keep like, I'm trying to... Trying no, no, to no, it's all good. <laughs> well, it, this comes to, you know, a t-shirt you're wearing yep. right now. So again, um, for people watching, uh, do you want to so, read out your t-shirt? Like, just um, true men need to talk. And, you know, I know it says true men need to talk. Um, this goes for anybody, um, wherever you may be. It's, but I think it specifically aligns with men because, you know, there is a stigma around men and mental health. And I, I know that as a society, we've moved so far forward in that, but I still think there is an element of not wanting to talk. I think part of that is self-inflicted. As I was saying, I didn't want to put that burden on my friends. Um, I think there's less societal pressure now to keep it all bottled up and in, but I still think there's an internal pressure as men that we feel like, hey, I, I need soldier on. I need to be the the provider, the caregiver. I need to be that person that's really got their shit together. Um, so yeah, true men need to talk. Like whether you're talking to a friend, a family member, um, a therapist, whoever it may be, just don't don't keep it bottled up because you think you may be a burden. Um, you're not. Like it is. 
it's really difficult to initially get it out but once you do get it out you know you do you'll have moments like this where yeah i'm really trying not to cry <laughs> um but, you know I'm, I'm really really trying not to cry because i i i don't like crying um you know it's, it's not i don't like crying because it's a sign of weakness it just I get really puffy eyes. And I look shit. <laughs> um, there's, there's only like there, there's editing that can be done. I don't know. Editing <laughs> of that kind of thing hasn't gone that far yet. But what I what I did want to tie into this is it's the it's the raw factor, right? We we try and cover things up with editing. You do try and edit things out, and you know with Instagram, I'm very caught on on to social media in general, not just Instagram, but. It's very difficult because people are posting, you know, the best things that happen in their life. And there are some people out there that say it's always good to remember that because life isn't that good. And these people are actually really sad and stuff like that. But I also have the the aspect of where well, you wouldn't necessarily always want to capture the bad things and you want to capture the good things because they're the, they're the memories you want to have. Yeah. And so I think social media has massive positives and massive negatives. And this kind of ties into the fact that, you know, around university time, you decided to start your well-being account yeah and i feel like it was partly a, a way of sharing without necessarily burdening someone potentially but yeah you decided to do sort of daily posts on how things were going very raw very honest do you want to talk a little bit about how you got into that yeah so i mean initially it started out i remember the first name i had for it was um atlas underscore one six so it relates to my my tattoo which is atlas greek titan um that's also related to mental health i got it when i was 18 because i always used to say to my counselor feels like the weight of the world's on my shoulders um so that was the first name of the account and it was very much just a gym account it was like um just before lockdown all started i started like taking gym a bit more seriously i was like hey i really want to document this and then as we went into lockdown um i noticed that there was a, a collective feeling of just this negative air don't, don't know what else to call it and i think it was may of lockdown one so may 2020 and that was probably i think that was my first mental health post and i just decided to be open and honest about how shit i was feeling and i think how shit a lot of people were feeling i think it was, it was a cathartic process for me to to put it all down in words and just push it out there into the world and be like, mate, this, see how this is received. And I think for me as well, it was almost, I am, I'm being that person that I wanted to have when I was growing up. I, I, God, if I'd had somebody like that when I was growing up being like, oh, it is okay to talk about how you feel. It is okay to be like, hey, I'm doing really crap right now. And I, I wanted to be that person. Um, and especially in a time period when we couldn't see our loved ones, we couldn't do the normal things. It was nice to be a voice that could be recognized and i think when i put that first post how i never imagined that i was gonna keep posting and basically just dumping my life story on people because I, I think as i went into it, i got more and more open um and i was just very honest about how i'm feeling what i think um the way my brain works because i think you know although we all think um you know i think if when things are going bad if you think hey why me is it just me that feels this way? And no, it's not just you. It's such a, a wider thing than that. So many thousands, millions of people probably feel your way, but you feel so isolated. And so I just wanted to break free of that isolation, let somebody else out there know like, hey, you're not alone in whatever struggles you're going through. So yeah, so I started posting on that. Initially, it was just a lot of me posting about how I'm feeling when I'm feeling down. I'd noticed that when I was feeling down, I was posting more on it than when I was feeling happy. And then... As I sort of breached a bit more into this happiness phase, I started to post a few more like tips that have helped me. So um, one thing that sort of developed more as I got older was a lot more of the anxiety um, along with the depression. So I started to 
post a couple of bits about like you know how i deal with anxiety and then i did do a I did a bit of research occasionally about like how the professionals would be like, oh, here's how you should deal with anxiety. And I read a lot of it. I was like, that, that doesn't work. So, you know, I, I would pick apart little bits for less and I'd say, hey, they say you're meant to do this. It might work for you, but hasn't worked for me. Have you thought about trying this? And just a little post like that. And it was really well received. I remember being at university and having people I didn't know, I genuinely did not know them from Adam. And they would come up to me on nights. So I'm like, hey, I've seen your post on this I think it's really great you're doing it like thank you you know it's helped me be more open it was just little bits like that I was like that is why I'm doing this and that is why I'll continue doing this um he says having not biased here we go here we go so this is this is a big question uh, there is a lot of stuff that happened you were having therapy you were doing all of this you know you were big on gym and improving and that sort of thing and then and I don't know if this is because you moved to London and got an adult job went to big school but <laughs> you stopped posting yeah. And you stop going to therapy. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they were directly correlated. I think I stopped posting partly because, I mean, kind of, you know, now I now I work in marketing and I do a lot of social media. Now looking back, I'm like, those are really bad tactics because I posted so much on all these posts. I was use, using up content. Um, obviously, I was never doing it from a content approach. So that's why I didn't think about it that way. But I was like, well, I've spoken about most of the things I want to speak about. Um, like, why would I keep posting? Um, but then obviously now that I know that having that sort of constant presence and just that reminder of somebody can be quite important. Um, and I kind of stopped posting just because I was, I was feeling better in myself, you know, I was, and even when I wasn't feeling better in myself, I was just dealing with it. Um, I, I can just, I could just get through these like small bouts of depression I'd have. Like I, I have my coping mechanisms, my, my healthy coping, coping mechanisms now. And obviously not having the therapy I didn't have those little nu like golden nuggets of information I could dispel because I think the other thing that I realized is that I was really fortunate to have therapy and have private therapy there are thousands of people out there on NHS waiting lists that are in dire need of information and help and they don't have access to it they're on six month waiting lists for something that you need sorting right now when when you are going when you need therapy you don't need it in six months you need it next week you need it this day and I think by being fortunate enough to have access to that information i wanted to try and put it out there so yeah so i stopped posting as much um and you know i've chucked out a couple of posts here and there um i think they're you know the couple of posts i've chucked out have been when i've been like really really down and like i need to put something out there um and that was very much a, a kind of almost like a selfish cathartic process and yeah it did help people I had, i've had people mess off the back of them be like, oh it's been really great but I'll be very honest. Um, I'll be, you know, tr like brutally honest. I was doing that for myself at the time. It wasn't like when I started posting, which was for other people. So um, things will change, hopefully. <laughs> well, I think I think something that uh, you don't need to necessarily do things for other people. It was obviously your account. And when, yeah. I, when I was reading through some of your posts, because it was kind of quite a consistent thing, like you said, you were, I mean, if we're looking at it from a content, uh, content creator's perspective, yeah, you could be overusing content, but I, I don't think it's, you were never doing anything like that. And I think that in itself is a little bit of an interesting perspective yeah. to take on posting stuff and emotions. But it almost was acting, well, for me, the way that I was receiving it was it was a journal. Yeah. And it was. was your way of doing a journal post. And I think for a journal that's open and a bit like a blog for other people to pay attention to, you don't need to do every post for everyone else and you don't need to do every post for you, but there should be a balance of that. Yeah. And I think when I'm putting content from the podcast because ultimately podcast is trying to share some different perspectives different information when i'm putting something out there it's 
not necessarily because I think you guys are going to love it. I think it's because it's something that I found useful. And if I found it useful, I hope other people do. And I don't want to tailor just to what I think everyone else likes because then I won't know if anyone else likes it. If I know that I can put it out there, and this is advice I got from someone else, um, if I put something out there that I like, then I know that I like it. At least one person likes it. Yeah. Whereas if no one else likes it, and I'm still, am I still okay with the fact that I like it? Yeah. If I put something out there for everyone else to like, but I don't really like it, I don't know if they're actually going to like it, but I know that I don't. So it's not, it's not mine. Like it's not, not really being, true to me. Yeah, you're not being and true to yourself. Exactly. And I think for, for people to share the right message about the way that they're feeling, how are you feeling? Like that's, that's what the posting should be. And you talking about going back in and, and starting it again. I think you should have that balance of, you know, it is okay to do it for yourself. And ultimately people might get something from that because these people are going to find the truth in what you're posting that can relate to them and go with that. Whereas if you try and tailor your post for what someone else is feeling, like chance side, you're going to miss. Yeah. And that's, that's a fact. So I think I want you to get back into posting and I've, I've, we've spoken about that because I think for you, it will bring so much benefit as well as it will bring anyone else that's listening to this and wants to follow along or anyone that's already joined in with it. Because as you've said, and as your t-shirt says, people need to talk. Yeah. And when you get to a point where you can't talk, that's, that's difficult um so in in terms of changing up uh from the therapy and and posting obviously we're coming back towards doing both of those now um but in the meantime um you joined a rather expensive gym <laughs> which may have been slightly to do with you know dealing with the mentals and that's like yeah. also the physicals because you don't play american football anymore um you've kind of stepped away from that and you go to third space London yeah. city which by the way, I had the pleasure of joining you in. You you very kindly invited me along as a guest. <laughs> Fuck me, is it nice, right? It is really nice. I, I currently use Pure Gym. No shade on Pure Gym. It Everything weighs the same as it does in third space. True. Um, but you have a pool, you have a sauna, you have fancy soaps, towels, <laughs> everything like that. Um, how much is it a month, if you don't mind me asking? It, it went up in the new year. Oh, <laughs> no. Okay, go on. Uh, I mean, it, it went up by £10. Okay. Um, but it's £210 uh, a month. £210 a month, which is a lot of money, right? Like, yeah. For anyone, I don't care if you're if you're really mega rich, if, you, if you're on the lower end of the pay scale, that is a lot of money. Yeah. I but, mean, to, to combo that as well, I've, I've also still got my The Gym membership as well from for, for back home. So okay. I think overall each month it's like 240 on gyms. But for you, that's justifiable. Yeah, 100%. And... I remember when I first started going there, it was, it was very much on a whim, like it's right by my office and I where my favorite lunch spot was, I was walking past it like most days. And you just look in and you're like, that looks really quite nice in there. And then I think one day I was just leaving work. I was like, you know, what? I'm just gonna pop my head in and just ask if I can have a quick tour. Um, so I had a quick look around and they give you like a guided tour. So one of their sales reps essentially takes you through. And I realized that as I was walking around, I was like, gym itself, really nice location incredibly convenient um everything you know everything you can think of is taken care of there from your you know if you want to shave in the morning they've got stuff there for that deodorants ironing boards like all these little things but it was when i was actually talking to the sales i got i got completely sold like he did an incredible job because i still remember this this line he gave to me he was um 
He said to me, he's like, you know what? Some people are, are into their cars, so they spend a lot of money on their cars. Some people are into their fine dining, they go out for all these fancy meals. And some people are really into their health and fitness, and so they'll invest in their health and fitness. I'm like, that's me. I'm I'm that person. I really like my health and fitness. Um, and so, yeah, so I just, I literally joined up like three days later. Um, and I just, yeah, I've, I've kept at it. It's, a lot of money's gone into it, but it is, it's an incredible gym. And for me, it's, it's just a place I can go and just kind of block everything else out. Um, you know, I've, I've been using it more frequently recently for like my mornings for work. So I have, you know, people that have known me for a long time, I do not get up early. At uni, I was a 11 a.m. midday guy. And this gym has got me to a person where I wake up at 6 a.m. voluntarily, going into the gym before work, getting a whole workout in, then going for a sauna, going for a swim, getting ready, then going to the office, doing a whole day of work just because of how nice it is and that feeling it gives me of you know is the gym itself worth 200 or 210 pounds no is it in a holistic sense worth that through what it gives you and i mean also you know there are loads of class involved if you're somebody that likes classes it actually probably is worth it financially just through like the yoga and the combat stuff they do but it's just the way it makes me feel and how happy it makes me i'd say it's worth it nice cool well i mean anyone that's thought about it maybe there's a different light you've just had girl math approach maybe yeah to, to <laughs> it's, allowing it's that very, very like um, I was, when, I, when i first when i was breaking down like if i do this amount of classes and then i've since then i've done about four classes all of them hot <laughs> yoga um but also if anybody from third space is listening um please please sponsor me yeah for mean, it. yeah and likewise we'll we'll take one as well yeah Thank yeah we'll, we'll happily sort it um Cool. I want to move on to some listener questions. I do have okay. a couple more personal questions, but we'll come okay. back to them. Um, so listener questions. For anyone that's listening to this for the first time and doesn't and you don't know, if you're following on the social media, um, typically Instagram, in the days leading up to uh, having a guest on, I like to post a little bit of information about that guest so you guys can ask some questions and then you have the opportunity to hear your question get answered. So I've had three lovely people message in. Okay. Okay. First person is Jim. Okay, I think you know Jim. Yes, I do know um, Jim. I know Lovely Jim lad. as James, which he loves. Oh, but... you know James. I'd no, I don't. Jim or Jimmy. He hates. <laughs> um, so he says that, you know, you're very open about your mental health today. Have you always been this way? No. I think, actually, you know, I'm going to solidly say no, and I'm going to bring up a really good story that ties into this. Um, when I was first suffering... Um, and I use the term suffering because it is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm living with mental health problems. And no, you, you do suffer. It is really, really shit at times. Let's, let's not sugarcoat it and try and lie to people like it, it is shit. Um, when I was first suffering, I was at school. And I was having these counselling sessions. And just a bit of background, the, the way that Aundel is, it's, it's spread out across this market town. So, you know, you could be walking like 10, 15 minutes between lessons. And where my house was so my day house and where the counseling sessions were there was a good like 15 minute walk up to it and obviously i'm disappearing for like you know an hour session 15 minutes, like an hour and a half a day and you, you know everybody knows where everybody is at all times pretty much and i was lying i was lying about where i was going i wasn't telling people i was going to a counseling session i'd make up whatever i could uh, you know my house in that direction sometimes i'd say oh i'm going home for a bit um just because you could um, you weren't meant to, but you just could. Sometimes I'd say, oh, well, I've injured my ankle. Because it was also the same place that we had, like, the infirmary and physio. So I could say, like, oh, ankle injury, I've, you know, going to get physio. And I lied about this for 
probably a good two, three months, even to my best mates, like even to my people, the people you're meant to trust the most, I was lying to them. And this sort of came up in the counseling and she asked me, why are you not being honest? Um, and I said, it's because I didn't want to appear weak. And that is quite possibly one of the dumbest things I've ever said. And I've said a lot of dumb stuff. <laughs> um, because honestly, talking about it is probably the strongest thing you can do. It is so far removed from being weak to be able to be open, to be raw, to completely expose all your vulnerability to somebody is so strong and also so necessary. Um, so I was hiding it for quite a while. And then I started to be open because I remember there was a teacher at the school and he proposed opening something called the Mental Health Forum. And I was one of the founding peoples of this. And as I was starting to go to that, and I met a few other people. Um, and before I joined this, you didn't know the other students that were joining. And I saw people there. I was like, wow, I would have never known that you were struggling. And they said the same thing to me. They were like, I would have never known you were struggling. And from then onwards, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be open. So when I was going to my counseling, I was like, I'm going to counseling. And then the same happened when I was at uni. When I was at uni, I needed time to go up to my room or like if I was heading in to like go and have my therapy, I'd say, oh, guys i'm off to my therapy i'll catch you in a couple of hours so no is the uh, is the short answer jim i was not always open with it and it is a difficult thing to be open with um but it's a very beneficial thing to be open with and i think if i could give you any sentence about this it is don't see it as a weakness to be open see it purely as the strongest thing you can do amazing message um and very well answered Moving on, I have a very different, and this is the nature of listener questions. It's a very different tone, so I appreciate okay. you getting into that. Yeah, into I'd, I'd like that. something a bit, a bit less serious. So, so here we are then. Uh, this is also anonymous, so this person didn't, clearly didn't want to break up the tone and be known for it. Okay. The, the question is: What is your current best gym playlist or song? Oh, best gym song. Oh, see, see, this changes so regularly because I'll, I'll go through like each sort of like month, couple of months. I completely change up my music taste. Um, so like my my Spotify playlist. If if anybody likes organized Spotify playlists, just avoid my profile. Um, <laughs> best music at the moment for me, um, a lot of Fred again. Um, but then like Solid. I'll have a playlist that has Fred again, that then switches to Fifty Cent, that then switches to Skepta. That, that you know, it, it sort of like goes over shop. Um, if I was to have one gym song right now, I'd say "Leave Me Alone" by Fred again, the Near Archives remix, um, or Badadan, Bad Badadan. Jesus, um, I don't think I could listen to that while I was in the gym. Uh, that, that my heart rate would go through. Well, that, that's the whole point. It's like it's, I remember it's like if ever I'm going for like a big lift and need something, just uh, Fifty Cent. I get money. That's another banger. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got a whole playlist of like certain songs that like depending on what mood I'm in is what playlist I select that day. So if I was to give number one right now, it's got to be Badder Dan. Just gets me okay. going. Okay, guys, if you're if you're on YouTube, drop your favorite in the comments because I want to see if you guys listen to stuff that's as mad as like mad <laughs> as that, or if you, there's some of you that are less psycho in that sense. Because geez, the the big thing that we're we're not taking into context into that that conversation is. You're going to the gym at six in the morning and shoving that into your ears. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, cool. Then, then going back, and this this third question is from Leo. Okay. Uh, Leo wants to know um, how do you uh, avoid your relationship with the gym becoming a toxic one? Oh, wow. Um, that's a really hard because <laughs> I know who's asked this as well. Um, 
I'm having to really think about this. God, I I don't think you necessarily do. And I think it, it, it probably is quite a toxic relationship at times, um, especially mentally when it comes to eating. Like, I, I think the one thing we've probably not touched on this, but I have sort of touched on my Instagram a little bit about is the body and muscle dysmorphia. Um, I, it, you know, waxes and wanes, but I get really, really bad with it. Um, I think this is also, you know, everything stemmed in childhood. A lot of it's from the bullying, the, the, the fat sort of situation and I still view myself as that fat kid now I still view myself as a non-muscular chubby kid and I don't know if that'll ever change um no matter how lean I get or whatever um I think to avoid it becoming toxic you need to be very self-aware of it you need to keep yourself in check and not get too roped in I think that is something that I could do improving on um I still find I have quite a difficult relationship with food at times where I'll be so obsessed with getting my protein in with not eating too much. And then I get to the point where I don't actually enjoy myself going out. I'll be like, oh, all these extra calories I'm going to put on weight and actually doesn't really matter if you put on a bit of weight. Like, who cares? It's fine. Uh, yeah, like... It like, comes and goes. Like, like right now, I've been eating like crap the past few days and I've got a little bit of timber around there. But like this morning, I went for a lovely fry up, sat there on my own. I... I bloody enjoyed it. Um, and this is at a point where I'm maybe not so toxic with Jim, but there are also times where I am monitoring every single little thing I eat and it it does get quite toxic. Um, so what was it? So the actual yeah, question was, how was, do you how avoid do you, it? How are you avoiding it? Well, I mean, you kind of said you just need to be more self-aware. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how do I avoid it? I don't. I don't do very good job of avoiding getting toxic. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's something to work on. I think as long as you, you, you're aware that you need to work on it, then, then that's fine. That's a good answer. Um, now, the next sort of thing is, uh, again, self-reflection. Uh, so I like to ask my guests, if I was to lock you now in a room with a younger version of yourself, what are three quick things you'd tell that person as a piece of advice? Firstly is you're not alone as you think you are. Um, I think something I've had throughout my life from a kid, even till now, I literally still feel this way to this day. And it's that... I've always had a lot of friends um, and I, you know, I, I will give everything to my friends. I love them all to bits. Um, but I also feel in a way that it's not reciprocated. Um, I feel like I, it's not that they don't give me love. It's just my own internal thoughts is that everybody's got their person. And I kind of don't have mine. Like, you know, I don't have one friend where it's like, oh, Jay's my best friend. Like he's the person I'm going to call. Whereas, you know, I just always feel on the fringes. So to let yourself know that, you know, don't let those thoughts get to yourself. Like, you aren't alone. Like, don't think that you are just this one-man army. Um, another big one that, again, still struggle with now is to celebrate. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of achievements I've done in life, but not really. Like, I just always view it as, right, one thing done, on to the next. Like, even when I graduate from my master's and probably the worst year of my life, it was just, I was like, oh, cool, that's that done. What, what am I doing with my job? What, what job am I going to go get now? And I, I just, at no point have I just sat there and been like, well fucking done. And I think that, that it's, it's kind of, it's quite sad. And I remember I was, I was writing some notes down um, for this, actually. I was, I was doing some self-reflection and I was thinking, what, what do I want to talk about? And when I came up with this point, um, I just sat there and started crying. <laughs> I just it it was like such a such a moment of like why have I been so horrible to myself like all my life why have I not why have I not treated myself like I would my best friend like if if 
if one of my best friends had, you know, gone through a year like that, and go, I'd be like, mate, you are fucking incredible. You like, well done. And I, I've not, I've not given myself that that honor. Um, and lastly, sort of tying in with this is just to, and this is something that is, is really difficult to do, and I think a lot of people struggle with this, is to live in the present. Just enjoy whatever it is you're doing right now. Stop thinking a week's time, a month's time. You know, stop stop dwelling on the past as well. It's not going to do anything. Like dwelling on the past, you can look at mistakes and you can improve your actions in future. But dwelling on it for dwelling on its sake and just being sad about it. Well done, you've made yourself sad. Well, you've done. Don't hold grudges either. That's probably another bit. Grudges are the worst thing you can hold. It's it's like. I saw a great quote, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's not how it works. You know, you're, you're just, you're, just you're, you're causing damage to yourself. So um, I think, yeah, just living a bit more in the present, um, enjoying everything that goes along. And I'm going to add a fourth in because it kind of sort of wraps up. And um, it's a it's a cliche quote, but I, I remember I told um, a young lad about it at the rugby club the other week and it was, comparison is a thief of joy. Stop worrying about what your friends are doing. Stop worrying about what people online are doing. Stop stop worrying about what other people, parents, family members want you to do. Like, stop comparing. You are your own person. You're going to go on your own journey. You can, you can essentially rise and blow up in whatever it is you want to do at any given point in life. You don't need to go on, like, some long five-year journey and all of a sudden it all goes right. Like, just go and do your own thing. Do something you love. Do something you enjoy. Do something that actually brings you intrinsic happiness and don't do stuff for other people and so you can compare and be like oh look at me doesn't matter nobody really cares like you see these great things on social media end of the day all you're going to do is double tap it scroll on that's it so um yeah gave me four <laughs> I, I don't mind that i don't mind that i think they're all very useful um so the next question is from our previous guest okay um and you're going to have your opportunity to get your own back on the next one. <laughs> so the previous guest uh, is called M or Emily. Yeah. Um, and she wanted to know well, what or who is your biggest inspiration in life and why? I was thinking if I go like really, it's kind of cliche, but like it is true. And um, probably my mum, like what a woman. Um, you know, she's... She she's climbed the corporate ladder to be incredibly successful with absolutely no qualifications. She's worked her ass off all of her life. She's beaten cancer twice. She she's brought me up, which isn't an easy task. Yeah. <laughs> um and, and you know, she she's she's held the house together. She she is incredible. And I, you know, my dad's also my inspiration. Uh, my whole family is really, but like my mum specifically is the actual embodiment of superwoman. She is just I think whenever I tell anybody about my mum and her story, they just, they say the same thing as me. Just, wow, what a woman. Um, God, I get emotional thinking about her as well. Um, I'm, you know what, just sign up. I'm really glad I've not fully cried today because uh, whenever I get open, I do sometimes. But um, And another thing, it's completely fine to cry. Um, I'm, not, I'm not, it's just, as I said, I don't want red, I'm going out after this, I don't want red puffy eyes. Uh, but yeah, I think my, my mum is my greatest inspiration. That's just her ability that no matter what life throws at her, bounces off bounces off and she keeps cracking just what a woman yeah i think one thing that's really nice is you probably don't i heard this when i was really young and i felt like i understood it but i heard um someone say to my mum oh your kids never appreciate what you do for them until they're old enough to and then it's too late so true and it you know yeah i, I think back to 
things that my mum and dad have both done for me in their independent ways. And I thought at the time I appreciated it. Jesus. Because you just don't have the context of other things in adult life, yeah. I think, at the time. And you, you are kind of in your own small world. And, yeah, your parents and your family do so much for you and you can't appreciate it until it is too late to really make the impact on appreciating it. So, yeah, shout out mum. Yeah, nice shout, shout out mum's ear, shout out dad. And I think, you know... Um, you are right you don't appreciate you're old and um i think if you are listening right now wherever you are as long as you're not on like a tube with no signal <laughs> take five minutes a day go call your mum go call your dad go call your grand your granddad whoever just have a chat yeah i think i, I really i've i've done that once or twice and you can hear the smile yeah. at the other end of the phone i think it's definitely worth it and yeah just do it i'm not gonna say anything else do that yeah um so your question for the next guest you have no information really on <laughs> on who they are but feel free to ask a question um i was i was debating i've been like because you told me about this before i've been debating my head and i think i'm gonna ask it's a very simple question but i think it's very hard to answer and that is what is happiness to you and i'm just gonna leave it at that i don't want to you know I'll, I'll give a bit of extras you know happiness can form in many ways um i think for me gym sport but then you know living in the present moment and join us i remember last week we won a rugby game won a bus on the way back a few beers deep singing adele i just sat there to myself and smiled just little moments like that so yeah what is happiness to you whether that's a large context or a smaller context context what does it mean amazing i've got one last question which i said i wanted to come back to go for it so before we wrap up uh you've mentioned you're going back to therapy on monday and you want yeah. to start posting again yeah why why for the therapy or why for the posting? Both. What has drawn you back to doing, getting, um, into, getting into the habit of uh, yeah, seeing a therapist and, and sharing a bit more? So I think go, going back to the therapy, it was, I think it's been a little while coming. Um, I know when we went for our gym session back, I think at some point, sort of 10 of last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I said to you at the time, I was like, I've, I've been toying with the idea of it. Um, I think it was just recognizing that I'm I'm not okay and I haven't been okay for a little while. I've just been masking it very well um so i think it was just i was like you know what I, this is something i should have done a little while ago um i've got the opportunity to um you know I've, I've got my own health insurance now through work so if you've got it use it and i think this goes to anybody in a corporate job wherever you are if you have access to it if you don't think you necessarily need it use it um because it's so powerful so yeah it was, it was just recognizing my own signs that i'm not been doing okay and that if i keep going this way could get worse um so just trying to sort of get to it when i can um and in terms of posting it was it was actually partly because of this um you know noting down all the things i want to talk about um my journey what i've done and it was actually remembering why i started doing it in the first place and it was obviously you know partly the cathartic model and journaling but it's to help other people and i i want to get messages out there that you know if if you're watching this or listening to this right now um and you are struggling or you know somebody that's struggling it's something that you can just send them to let them know you're there can give them a little tip on ways that they can feel better or just let them know they're not alone because when you are really down the dump should we call it it is a very very lonely place you could be surrounded with hundreds of your loved ones and you feel like you're just in a little dark corner on your own so um yeah it's it's I will start posting it again. Awesome. Well, where where can people find it? 
Uh, so on Instagram, um, at JP underscore wellbeing, um, I'm guessing we tag this. Or, I will. So yeah. a lot of the a lot of the posts that come out from this will be collaborated or tagged. So yeah. um, you'll be able to find him through the Mindsets podcast page, which is at Mindsets underscore podcast. That's for everything. So you can use that to search on YouTube. Um, you can still search, it, I think, on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere where the podcast is actually streaming and, and you'll find it. Um, but yeah, Mindsets underscore podcast drop it a follow uh, and if you want to get more involved um, with some of the podcasts so asking listener questions or even giving advice as if, if you know people that could come on uh, I'm always open ears um, so yeah jump over there follow like subscribe share give Jason some love he's done a fantastic job today and I think one of the things that you said yourself is you don't give yourself any credit for some of the things you've done um, the conversation you have had today is astounding I think there's a lot of people that will listen to this and appreciate, you know, what it takes to actually talk about these things. Um, and, you know, the journey that you have been through is uh, by far one of the hardest journeys I have heard. And I think this is a quote that you actually showed me on your phone. Um, it's talking about your worst days. And uh, I don't know if you want to elaborate that on yourself, but you've got through 100% of your worst days. Yeah, indeed. And I think that's probably if I was to give... Um, I think I've given quite a few bits of advice on this. Um, we'll take one more uh, away with this. If, if I would say one more is that if you are there and you are having a really shit time and you do, and I know when you're having a shit time, you think this is it. This is, this is the worst life is. This is, you know, I can't see getting any better. This is just how the rest of my life's going to be. You're wrong. It, you get through a hundred percent of your worst days and you know, you may think, oh, do you though? Well, the fact that you're here right now, the fact that I'm here right now is just pure proof that you do that you could be as bad as you think and as i said before the sun will set the sun will rise it'll be another day and you'll get through it solid well there you go thank you very much yeah, for coming on today and thank you guys very much for listening and being a part of the conversation um we need more conversations like this that's that's the premise of this podcast so please do feel free to keep listening along we'll obviously track on with your question to the next guest so there's some con continuity there um and yeah I will see you guys and I look forward to doing so in the next episode.